Hello and welcome to the Chemistry Made Simple podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Macario, and this is the podcast where we help you to get chemistry confident. Before I start, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. This episode is about the naming of inorganic compounds. So we're going to talk about why we need a standardized naming system. Today we're going to focus on ionic compounds, so we're going to learn how to name a cation and how to name an anion. So firstly, why do we need the naming rules? Why do we have the UPAC naming rules, the systematic naming rules for compounds? It's because the traditional names don't really tell you much information. If you know what the formula is for the name, then you know it. If you don't, you can't generally work it out just from the name. And that's why we need a name that allows you to do that, allows you to, wherever you are in the world, be able to work out what the formula and the oxidation state is of the atoms within a compound just from the name. And the UPAC naming scheme gives enough information to define the formula and the oxidation states within an ionic compound. So let's start with cations. So what do we do for cations? Well, firstly, we need to show the oxidation state for metal ions if the metal has more than one possible oxidation state. And that's just going to be transition metals. Group one and group two metals only have one oxidation state each. So you don't need to indicate the oxidation state. There's only one it can be for their ions. But transition metals do have more than one oxidation state. And that's why we need to indicate it in their name. And how do we do that? Well, we use Roman numerals to show the oxidation state. So we use the Roman numeral that corresponds to the oxidation state. We write that after the name of the metal in order to name that cation. And if you're unsure about Roman numerals, I'm including a, a list of the relevant ones in the show notes that you'll see below the episode in your podcast player. So let's look at some examples. So iron can have two oxidation states. It can have plus two or plus three. So when we're dealing with ion 2 plus, we simply call it ion 2. If we're dealing with Fe3 plus, we simply call it ion 3. Another example is copper. Copper can have oxidation states of plus 1 or plus 2. So if we have a compound with copper 1 plus in it, we call that cation copper 1. That would be the word copper with the Roman numeral 1 in brackets after it. If we're dealing with copper 2 plus, then we call that copper 2. That's the word copper with the Roman numeral 2 in brackets afterwards. When it comes to ions, we're talking about complex ions, polyatomic ions, where the central atom has more than one possible oxidation state. So you'll see this frequently for complex ions that have a central atom of sulfur or nitrogen or phosphorus or chlorine, for example. And the central atom doesn't have to be a non-metal. It could be, again, a transition metal atom. Usually when we're dealing with these complex ions, the peripheral atoms that are attached to the central atom are usually oxygen atoms. And that's what we're going to consider in this episode. So our naming is a little more complex. It just has a little more steps. So when we're naming a, an anion, the first part of the ion's name is derived from the number and type of the peripheral atoms, so those oxygen atoms. So an ion with three peripheral oxygen atoms would have trioxo to start the name, tri for three, oxo to signify oxygen. Then the rest of the name is based on the central atom, and then we have the oxidation state in Roman numerals in brackets afterwards. So it's probably easier if we go through an example. 
the first example we're going to look at is what we commonly call the sulfate ion. That's not the UPAC name for it. We're going to derive that. So this ion is the SO4 2 minus ion. So to name this, we start with those peripheral oxygens. There's four oxygen atoms. So we start the name tetraoxo. And then we have sulfur in there. And the sulfur is in oxidation state six. So the name ends sulfate six. And the six is in Roman numerals in brackets after the name. So overall, we had tetraoxo sulfate six. Let's think of another example, an example where our central atom is a transition metal atom. We're going to consider what we call the permanganate ion, MnO4 minus. Again, there are four oxygen atoms, so we're going to start the name tetraoxo. And then the manganese atom is in oxidation state seven, so we end the name manganate seven. The seven being in Roman numerals, of course. So we had tetraoxo manganate 7. So that's our full name, tetraoxomanganate 7. It's worth mentioning at this stage that whether we're talking about the cations or the anions, or we're talking about the compound in full, when we're using this nomenclature, when we're writing it, or when we're speaking it, we would always use the names in full. We're not going to use formula. So we're not going to talk about Fe2, we're going to talk about ion2. We're not going to talk about SO42 minus 6. We're going to talk about tetraoxo sulfate 6. The reason for this is because if we're talking in formula, we don't want to be using numbers and mixing them with formula because that could be misleading. Those numbers are indicating oxidation state. If we mix them with formula, we might confuse or be confused about those numbers representing the number of atoms or ions within that compound. And that's not what it represents. It's just the oxidation states. What do we do when we come to compounds? Well, we just put the name of the cation and the anion together. So it's possible that we might have a compound name where both the anion and the cation don't have variable oxidation states. So we wouldn't have any Roman numerals in that. And then there's examples where we might have a cation that's a transition metal, so we would use a Roman numeral, but the anion doesn't. For example, we could have iron to chloride. The two represents that the iron is in the plus two oxidation state. Chloride doesn't need a Roman numeral. It only has one oxidation state possible. Then we could have compounds that have a cation that has a fixed oxidation state and an anion that has multiple oxidation states. So for example, we could have sodium tetraoxosulfate six. So the sodium, we don't need a Roman numeral. It can only be in the plus one oxidation state, but the tetraoxosulfate six, we do need the six there because that's telling us the oxidation state of that sulfur. There are other oxyanions of sulfur that have different oxidation states. So we do need that six there. Okay, so how about if we have a compound that has a cation and an anion that both have variable oxidation states? Well, we include the Roman numerals directly after the cation and the anion. So we might have iron 2 tetraoxosulfate 6. So the 2, iron 2, that 2 is referring to the oxidation state of the iron. And the tetraoxosulfate 6, that 6 is referring to the oxidation state of the sulfur. 
It's worth noting at this point that for some simple inorganic compounds that we could come up with UPAC names for, we're not going to. You're going to almost certainly be expected to continue using the names we're used to for water, carbon dioxide, ammonia, and a few other simple inorganic compounds. Please don't get tied up in knots or going down a rabbit hole trying to find a UPAC name for water, for example. It just isn't important. Okay, so let's have a quick recap. So we said that the name of cations includes the oxidation state for transition metals. We don't need an oxidation state for other metals because they only have one oxidation state. We said the name for an anion includes the oxidation state of the central atom and also the number and name of the peripheral atoms. We said that the Roman numerals are shown in brackets directly after the anion or cation they refer to and that the names are written or spoken in words. We don't use chemical symbols or formula and mix in the oxidation states. I hope this episode has been useful to you. If you found value in this episode, you'll find a lot more help in the Chemistry Made Simple program. And the ethos of the program is to go deeper to the things we cover in the podcast and other chemistry topics whilst keeping the explanation simple. There's video courses to watch anytime and regular tutorials that you can attend live or you can watch later when it suits you. And you can find out more about the program at chemistrymadesimple.net slash program. And if you want to get in touch with me, please do so. The best way is on Instagram. You can send me a DM at chemistrymadesimple. So that's it for this episode. In the next episode, we'll be following on and discussing the naming of organic compounds. Until then, goodbye.